to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. I want you to journey now back to a time that you can remember to a time that it most mattered to you. That you came to that place and you said, Jesus, I am yours and you are mine. Can you remember that day? Can you remember that time? seat my friends you know on Tuesday I asked the staff around the table can you remember the date and the month and the year that you were born again that you came to know the Lord in a personal way and today we're going to touch on that we're going to talk about what does it mean to be to be born again as we re-engage the gospel this year in 2020. I want to touch on that. And friends, you, we, you, you all do believe we are family here, right? So you realize that in family, you, you are allowed to offend one another, right? And then as you offend... What, what do you do? You then ask for forgiveness, right? When you realize that you offend, then you ask for forgiveness. So I'm going to ask for forgiveness before I start to offend you today. <laughs> and the way I'm going to offend you is by picking some of you. I, I, I just felt with that, with the chorus of the song. You know, often we, we do come, we do come prepared, believe me. We do come prepared to do certain things in a certain way and then we get you know, kind of, not sidetracked, but we, we, get, we get ushered by the Holy Spirit to move in, at times, different directions. So, I, I want to put this to you this morning, for, especially for those, for those who are married. If a question were to be asked, uh, hey, do you know when was your anniversary? Now, you might be probably in your journey of marriage be only permitted once to forget. Right? Husbands, would you, would you say that to be the truth? Once, only just once. So you've got, you've got grace for once to forget it. Right? You're not allowed to forget more than once. Now, imagine, imagine if you were to ask the question, hey, so when, when were you... When did you actually get married? When was that day? Um, I, th- I think maybe 2001, and, and uh, maybe ni- 95, probably, you know, 97. What, 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 would it, what would it raise within all of that? What, what will it do? It's going to create... Stress, tension is going to... Now, can you imagine in, in a marriage relationship, right? Imagine with me. Can you imagine in a, in a marriage relationship that you forget when your anniversary is, when you actually got married? Uh, I, I, maybe, maybe 25th, maybe 29th. Oh, I think it's actually 27th. You don't. 
And, and in a marriage relationship, when you say, I do, what are you saying, I, I do towards? You're making a commitment to have someone come into your life and wreck it. <laughs> You're making a commitment to say, now come and begin to destroy this, this, this opinion that I have about who I am and about what marriage is and about what that is all about. That's relationship. Am I right? And you don't realize because when the person comes in, you think, no, it's going to be all hunky-dory. It's going to be good. She or he is going to listen to me. And that's basically it. And then you wake up and you find out, oh, my goodness me, she ain't listening to me. Did you actually really hear what I said? Yes. So why? And it continues. Don't look at my wife because she's not like that. She always listens. <laughs> this is not about my marriage. <laughs> I'm talking about yours. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, relationship, a covenant that you make, you introduce, you bring someone into, and the person comes and takes it somewhere else, and you suddenly awaken to something that you are not accustomed to. And you're uncertain about all of this. So is this relationship with Christ. What we have said to Him is this, come into my life. Wreck it. Come into my life. Because what you say, I'm not accustomed to. Where you take me, I'm not sure. But I know. Because I made this covenant, I know I have a certainty. You go into marriage with this uncertainty, what, what, what happens. And I want you to hold this thought. Keep this thought in the back of, back of your mind as you rehearse these, these, uh, these moments that, that you knew the Lord, inv the Lord invited you. There was this time that you had this marriage ceremony, so to say. And in that ceremony, you invited and you said, I do, I do, I do. You know, we look at the whole context of born again and we think, oh, you're born again Christians, born again Christians, and it loses its value. It loses what it means. You know, it means in the, in the Greek from above and with Him. That, that is what it means. That is, I am born from above. And that it has a natural aspect of being born, right? So that is, what it, that is what the implication is to be born. And if you look in John chapter 3, you will understand that. And we'll go through those passages of Scripture today. But I want to lay this before you today because I, I am going to invite some of you whom I've never actually told that you're going to be coming up. And so that is why I've asked you for forgiveness earlier. <laughs> because I want to ask you this morning, and you don't need to take very long. You can just share. Just a minute, a minute and a half. And I've got two amazing people who are going to come up. Stephen's going to come up and share his testimony of how he came to know the Lord. And Sam, who's back from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh. Praise God, who's back from Pittsburgh. Come on, let's give him a hand. Now. We don't want Miss Chennai to be left out of it as well. So let's welcome Rachel back from Chennai. Hallelujah. So good to see her up here. I would like to invite Alan. Come on, Alan. Yeah, just there. You can. Just where you are. You can. Uh, this was 40 years ago. <laughs> um, I was 19, 20, and uh, I was struggling to know what decisions to make for the future as a young man, what to do, where to go, work-wise, things. And I was invited to a church service. I went along. My mother had been there as, uh, just before, about a week beforehand, given a life to the Lord. So I checked it out. And, you know, different people have different experiences. You know, I didn't have a, um, an incredible moment at that moment of, with mm. God, but I just went up and gave my life to the Lord just as you do. Mm. But what started happening, once I invited Jesus into my heart and I repented for my sins, and it was just a simple thing. There was no emotion in it at all. Mm. And I didn't sense any great presence of God, but 
the Lord took me up on that offer <laughs> and he started doing supernatural things. So I started having dreams wow. and I met him in these dreams and he came mm. to talk to me mm. about my future. Mm. And all these things started happening in mm. my life that mm. had never happened before. Mm-hmm. And then I started having those more intimate times, you know, a year or so later. But it was because I simply asked him to come mm. and I repented. He started moving in my life and things started amen, happening. Amen, amen, amen. Ryan. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He freaked out. <laughs> Just say, when do you think you came to know the Lord personally? When was it? Was there something that you you can say was significant or may not have been significant? No, probably. I guess it's always been part of me growing up um, with you and mum. But yeah, um, probably when I got baptised, I think mm-hmm. that was a significant step mm-hmm. um, in acknowledging that step. Like, and and how old were you then? Seven. Seven. So, wow. yeah, I think, okay. yeah, Okay. Was a big moment. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's give him a hand. We need a woman. We need a lady to share. Um, I was 16 in a Christian school at an assembly, and that's when whatever the the person was speaking about just made a difference and then and there I accepted the Lord. So 16, as a teenager, seven years old, amen, amen, 40 years ago, 11 years ago, anyone now would like to just jump at the opportunity to just glorify the Lord and just share very quickly like this. Who would like to say something? Anyone want to share? Okay, <laughs> Karen, that's awesome. Love to share of the goodness of God. Yes, yes. Um, it was probably 22 years ago. I was at the end of myself and I wanted to end it all, to be truthful. And I said, God, if you're real, I was in bed, if you're real, I need you. Because mm. I tried everything else and then I felt a blanket of love come mm. over me mm. Um, mm. that I've never experienced before. And I had the most beautiful sleep. I woke up. I did Alpha, gave mm. my heart to the Lord, and yeah. Wow. Amen. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. How much time have I got? Uh, one minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, Same as everyone. <laughs> I was about 14, 15, and camp, and I love camps. That's usually where things happen for me. Mm. Um, we were brought into a room, and they said they were going to show us the person through new technology, they found the person who was responsible for Jesus on the cross. And we're all like, great, fantastic, finally we can hang him, <laughs> see who this person was. He's clearly long dead by now. And you go into a room one by one. As you stand there, they lift a mirror to your face. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Now, I was a very self-righteous teenager, knew everything, could do anything. And I realized in that moment just how lost I was. Now, I was doing the Christian thing already in church my whole life, but suddenly the lights went on. And I was like, oh my goodness, I am. I am responsible. It is me. Yeah, that, mm. that was my start. Mm. Amen, amen. Oh, I, I will just add one thing. I was, I was amazed at that transition, the sense of peace that I felt. Because along with all that conviction came this immense peace when you Amen. feel. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to invite Sam to come up now. I've asked Sam to share what his journey was like in the, in the States, to take a few minutes and just share this, this journey of, of, uh, of faith. You know, when we are born again, when we come to know the Lord, it is not just a cognitive journey that we have, but it's real. And often when you are taken away from your family at a young age like this, who do you rely on? Who do you have? 
And so I've asked him to just share a little bit. I don't think you need the stage. I think you are <laughs> on a, already on a stage, right? Yeah, yes. I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. All right. Um, yeah, so thank you again, um, Church, for supporting me while I've been overseas. Um, again, for encouraging me to step out um, into what God's called me to do. Um, but yeah, it's been like, it's been almost six months that I've been overseas. It's crazy to think about it. But yeah, it, it's, it's just been like, like outside of the basketball, oh, to the middle. Okay. Um, outside of basketball, what I was doing at the school, um, I've been more happy with the growth in, in my relationship with God um, over that time. Um, even just in like day-to-day stuff, um, like I'd just be in my room. Um, I actually remember it now. Um, I'd just be praying like, all right, God, just just speak to me. I'm listening. And there was one particular situation. Um, I was actually up in my room um, and he goes, all right, so I want you to go downtown. I live 20 minutes um, outside of downtown Pittsburgh at the time. Um, and he goes, I want you to go into downtown and to CVS, which is like a pharmacy. And there's going to be a person behind the counter you're going to pray for and they're going to get healed. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> a bit out of the blue. Um, but yeah, I took the bus, went to downtown, met with this person. And I was just like, I asked this one guy, um, hey, is there anything I can I can pray for? And he's like, no, nah, I'm good. And I'm like, okay, was I, was I being messed around or... And I asked the next person, and she goes, yeah, yeah, my back is, is a bit sore. And I go, okay, can I pray for you? And she goes, yeah, sure, sure. I pray for her, and I ask what she feels, and she says, oh, it's, my back's very hot. It's a lot of heat. And I'm like, amen, wow. Is, is that not God? Amen, and amen. It's just, and when you, um, you asked for me to share about how um, your faith has helped, it's been like, um, as your relationship with God grows, it's growing to trust that his judgment is a bit higher than ours, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> that's true. Um, like, it's the, it's the verse, like, my ways are higher than your ways. Um, so once we realize, okay, look, you know a bit more than I do. Um, and, like, say, for example, like, with my mum, right? I've talked to her. I've known her my whole life. So I'm going to trust her judgment because I know what she's like. And I know, okay, she thinks this, this, this. And that's the same with, with our relationship with God, at least for me. Um, look, when you spend more time with him and over these past half year, um, I've grown to do that. Um, and you, you get to know, look, okay, this is what God's character like, what he says and who he is as a person. And that trust in who he is leads you to jump out of the boat and say, okay, I'm going to trust what you say. And he takes it from there. It's just amazing how he does it. But Amen. Yeah, there's a couple of, um, of other situations, if, if there's time, if you want me to. Uh, I'm going to invite Stephen. Right, sure. I'll leave it we'll get you to. We're going to get Sam to share a little bit more in depth uh, in one of our other Sundays where we'll give him more of an opportunity because I think this, this young man in going there, he has grown incredibly in his faith. Some of the things that he's just stepped out to do it is so precious for us to know because we need to know one how you know what it means to be part of sending someone part of releasing someone to go that we have a that we have a responsibility that we have a responsibility to send and to continue to pray and to continue to support so he's back for for a season but he's going to be going back. And so while he's here, it would be good for us to hear how God has put him in the spiritual gym and has got him to flex his faith muscles. But it's come out of a relationship of saying, Lord, I say I do. I allow you to come in and wreck my relationship of who I think I am. And bring me into a place where my dependency, as you heard, is... God, you know, your ways are higher. Not a little higher, but your ways are higher. Your thoughts are higher. And it is only until we come to that place that we will realize what it actually really means to encounter all of who God says He is and all of what God says He is. Amen. So I'm going to invite Stephen Stephen, to come up and, and share with us, I, I reckon, a very powerful testimony. Come, Stephen, let's, let's give him a hand this morning. And 
And and and friends, the reason I'm the reason I'm 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 doing this, and I'm really encouraging each one of us to begin to share and for you to think through, is to is to surface your anniversary. Is to surface this. We celebrate our anniversary and our birthdays every year. Do we actually celebrate our spiritual birthday? You know, some people might be, but by and large, so many potentially may not. So it is good for us to remember, you know, how he wooed us into that place. Hallelujah. So over to you, my friend. Thank you. You, you can, I don't you, know how many of us really stage if you realize that there is a void in mm. all of us. I love acronyms. <laughs> and even as I thought about this void, it appeared to me as V-O-I-D, a vacuum or incomplete domain. Wow. V-O-I-D. And uh, for many of us, it can be a void in our pockets. In so many places, there can be a, a void or a vacuum. But over the years, I have realized this vacuum or void in our hearts has been put in by God. Not many of us realize though, but in our reasoning and our own ways, we try to fill up this void with many things. Well, as a young man, not too long ago really, <laughs> when I was growing up, I used to get up very early in the morning to a Tamil song, which, you know, those days were the days of rediffusion. And uh, you just leave it on at midnight, it goes off. And early morning at five, it comes on like an alarm clock. So that was our alarm clock. And every morning I used to be woken up to a song called, it was in Tamil, but the translation is something like, Knock and it shall be opened. Seek and you shall find. And ask, it will be given. I never knew that was in the Bible. But I used to wake up to this song every morning. And uh, the next line, I found it hard to believe. Because in Tamil it says, these words were said by Jesus. In Tamil we say, Esu. And uh, Jesus was a taboo word in my family. I come from a Hindu background. I'm the youngest in a family of 13. And when my eldest brother first went to school, those days they had only missionary schools. And uh, when you first go to school, they'll ask you, do you know Jesus? So when that question was put to him, he said, no, I don't know him. I'm a Hindu. How should I know him? And the teacher looked him in the eyes and said, you, your father, and every one of you are going to hell if you don't know Jesus. He, he literally walked home straight after those words with tears streaming down his eyes. And when he came home and he told dad that my dad dragged him, went back to that school and said everything that he wanted to say because he felt Hinduism was the greatest religion in the world. So ever since that experience, whenever anyone spoke about Jesus, the whole family just turns away. And uh, it, it comes as a surprise that we never really thought much of Jesus because our void or void was filled up by millions of gods. In Hinduism, you had a god for literally everything. And when I was born, I was named Ganesh, uh, which happens to be the name of the elephant god. 
And I was always told that he is a remover of obstacles and he will remove everything for you. So that's what I grew up with. But somehow I felt in my heart of hearts, there was a vacuum and I had to fill it up with something because we were also taught by my dad, never leave your minds empty. Never let it go blank because wherever there is a vacuum, spirits fight, they literally fight to occupy that vacuum. And that is why we are always told whenever you see something empty or like they used to call haunted houses and stuff like that. So we were always told to fill up the vacuum, fill up the void. So growing up as a young man, I had literally everything, being the youngest in a family of 13. And uh, I never really had a lack or void of anything. But when my dad passed away, when I was 21, I felt that void come back. He was my everything. And something hit me hard saying, well, my support, my pillar, my source of everything is dead. What is there to stop the others from going one by one? And I'm going to be alone. So I'll have to fend for myself. So I decided to do something about it. And the only thing I loved those days was to sing, to talk. I'll even talk to myself, look at the mirror and talk. <laughs> and uh, I loved the sound of my voice. <laughs> and I, I thought everybody else loved it too. So I joined the local rediffusion station as a young talk show artist or so you call it. And ever since I've been with radio for most of my life. But the reason I bring up this thing about talk and filling up the void is to let you know that I've tried many things to fill this void. After my dad's death, I tried to do a lot of things to fill that void, but nothing really completed that. And as I grew up, I thought my void, we were talking about marriages earlier, my void could be filled with marriage. And I met this charming young girl, and uh, I thought that would be what we need. But I made a mistake. I chose Malaysia's Independence Day to get married and lose my independence. <laughs> and the rest is history, really. Pastor Larry just painted you how wonderful married life is. And, uh, but in all fairness, she tried hard. And uh, I guess I didn't try as hard because she was a Christian before me. So she must have tried hard. And then I came to know Larry while courting her. Larry had somehow found the Lord. And he, he had a group of friends who were so fired up for the Lord. They, were, they couldn't help but speak about him all the time. And every time I met them, they had something to say. And I had more to say on that because I settled insisted that Hinduism was the oldest religion and my argument was Christ may have founded Christianity, Buddha may have founded Buddhism, Muhammad found Islam, but can you tell me who found Hinduism? There's no record of anyone finding it. It's as old as civilization, old as man himself. And boy, <laughs> I finally discovered who found out or discovered Hinduism, but not until the greatest discovery of it all. We had a lot of arguments with Larry and his friends, and sometimes I used to even quarrel with Yvonne, that's my wife, over issues of Hinduism and Christianity and all that. And then the inevitable happened. 
for a guy who has someone catering to every need of his even from a young child right down to my marriage i was suddenly taken out of this comfort zone and thrown into a place called kuala trangano which is about 400 kilometers away from where i lived i'm one person who doesn't know even how to make coffee <laughs> and i literally cried when i was told i had to go there because i had to start life all over just by myself but it was a promotion and uh, they really couldn't find anyone it was also a little bit of ego because they had discovered oil in this place called Kuala Trangano and a lot of expats were coming to this place which is a rural Malay township and uh, they wanted to start something to do with english and english radio station so i said i will go and i will start it and when i went there i started thinking about god <laughs> because i found this was one god forsaken place every morning you are woken up very early in the morning to the sound of allahu akbar and even throughout the day now trangano was a state that was under the opposition malaysia's ruled by a party called the alliance later barisan national but this state with a couple of other states has always been in the opposition but the government central government was trying to build uh trying to create a a breakthrough there and this english station they thought could be a breakthrough so anyway to cut a long story short i used to sit there with all the time in the world to to pray to all the gods in the world and whatever was said between you know us larry his friends my wife and myself was playing on my mind so one day i said i'm going to discover who god really is i took up my lotus position you know the typical way they pray with both your legs folded back upright with your hands out and i said whoever you are god if you are the creator of the universe and the creator of heaven creator of everything tonight i want to know who you are suddenly there was pandemonium all around me there was explosions earthquakes and everything was it was so scary actually i was wondering what's going on the roof was falling apart and people were screaming and yelling and running around everywhere my first thoughts were my wife what's going to happen to her everyone screaming and we had gayatri then she was 1 year old and no no she was already yep she was about 7 and and the first thoughts was them and as i turned around in panic trying to look for them i found people screaming dying all over not really dying but in agony screaming away and a whole lot of i don't know how to describe it there were accidents cars were running into people everyone was trying to get out of the situation and uh, when i found i couldn't find gayatri and my wife i just looked up in anger and pointed my hands to the sky and said how dare you say you are god when you can't even stop a catastrophe like this i have worshiped gods who have done impossible things but where are you now when i need you and as i cried out in anger at this god a sudden beam of light came down and drew me up 
and I was being drawn higher and higher until suddenly I discovered I was standing in front of a glorious light and I knew I was in the presence of God but that Hindu part of me had not left me and I asked him who are you and he said I'm the son of man looked at him and I said I can't see anyone all I can see is that light like that shining in my face and I said I'm a son of man too but I have a name and I've known all my gods by name tell me your name the moment he said Jesus I just fell back and the next thing I realized I was still where I was 12 hours ago It was 6 a.m. the next morning and I didn't realize I'd been seated in that position for 12 hours. I got up, still think the name I am Jesus ringing in my ears. Got up, had my shower, went to work and I stepped into the office. Everyone was looking at me as though they had seen a ghost. There was no cigarette in my hand. no foul language in my mouth and nothing to show that I was the Ganesh of yesterday. Something had happened. And as people began to ask me, what's that? I said, I've discovered Jesus. Amen. And I've given Amen. my life to him. Amen. And that was 36 years ago. Amen. 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 I just want to take a few minutes and just close this and thank you so much for that but can can you just pull up John chapter 3 verse 1 right through 16 and I just want to read this. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish uh, religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening he came to speak to Jesus. Rabbi, he said, "We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you." And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth unless you are born again you cannot see the kingdom of God what do you mean exclaimed nicodemus can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again and jesus replied i assure you no one can enter the kingdom of god without being born of water and of the spirit humans can reproduce only human life but the holy spirit gives birth to spiritual life so don't be surprised when i say you must be born again and in verse 10 it says um uh, in fact in verse 9 it says how are these things possible nicodemus asked and jesus replied you are a respected jewish teacher and you don't understand these things i assure you we tell you what we know and have seen and yet you won't believe our testimony right but if you don't believe me where when i tell you about earthly things how can you possibly believe me if i tell you about heavenly things and 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 try and consider that if when he tells us about earthly things if we cannot understand how are we to understand about heavenly things right and then he moves on to say this but the son of man has come down from heaven and uh sorry in verse 13 it says is no one has ever gone to heaven and returned but the son of man has come down from heaven and as moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness so the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life for this is how god loved the world he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life god sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world so this 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 last few minutes i just want to very quickly just mention a few things nicodemus was a well learned man right he was in in fact in the greek there's an article that says he was one of the most uh, he was the highest ranking uh, teacher nicodemus who he was very knowledgeable why did he come at night several reasons he may have had a busy day he might be having so many things to do that he can't right he may be counseling someone or teaching someone or whatever the reason is or 
it could be this that he did not want anyone to distract his time with Jesus because there came an urgency inside him he wanted to know something and he said i am going to go at night where no one will come because he knew he saw people were running after him people were running after jesus because he said this how do we know that he starts off saying i know you are a man you are you you are you you are one that has been sent from god because no one can do these miracles but someone who's sent from god so he's already acknowledged that and so he comes at night to seek and to understand and you, you you think Jesus kind of plays with him and he says immediately the lord tells him you must be born again and you cannot enter the kingdom until you are born again and so then he begins to ask how can i because he's a learned man how can i and he says you need to be born of the water and of the spirit and and and, and many scholars say that the born of the water is your time in your am- amniotic sac that water and that is that that, that is not you know it, it, it is not uh, it is not 100% factual right it could mean also this that the word of god which is water that cleanses the word of the lord says that and i will cleanse you it could also imply that so there are several aspects but whatever said and done they could be all of that right but what the lord is trying to imply is this there is a natural aspect of being born and there is a spiritual aspect of being born and and that that is it you heard today testimonies of 11 years of 40 years of at the age of 7 at the age of 14 you heard all of these testimonies right at the age of 16 you come to the lord now you ask yourself this sometimes you hear testimonies of people who say this you know i i, I think i accepted the lord when i was maybe 6 years old or 7 years old or 9 years old or 10 years old but there was no real change i didn't really experience a huge change you know i mean i didn't yeah god was there and then there came a time where i then rededicated my life and i had this major encounter with god and everything changed where do you find in scripture that it says we rededicate we've been saved but we've gotten into this whole context of doesn't matter if, if i'm safe i can muck around i can stuff up i can do anything that i want to and i just come in rededicate now there is a context of repentance in coming to the lord repentance is acknowledging that i've gone this way and this is where i'm going to end up in hell if i go but i turn around now and i'm going to walk and i'm going to end up in his kingdom in heaven right so i make that distinct change and it is at that point that we change let's 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 let me give you this last analogy here when a woman conceives a seed is sown and conception is there upon conception immediately can the child begin to grow and walk ladies did that happen no did that happen no Nine months was nine months pleasant? No. Okay, look at that. Nine months was not a pleasant time. You, you, you vomit not like as if I know, but I've seen, right? The analogy my wife tells me is this: place your hand and close the door, and just keep closing the door, keep closing the car door, and that pain—that's the consistent pain that you will feel, right? So that's the now. I've never felt that, <laughs> right? Right. And uh, the only time I came close to it was when I had what? What was that? What did I have? No, not appendicitis. I had the stones, that oh, gallstones, and it was like I was giving birth. That's how I felt. That's that's how I felt. I had to pass it out, you know. In Jesus' name, it came out. Thank God, you know. And uh, <laughs> and and so, if you look at the context of conception, so. During that time it's this pain and this 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 harshness that you go through and all of that. And could it be? Could it be? And this is just a possibility that I'm throwing. For some it was a seed that was sown when you potentially invited the Lord into your heart. It was just a seed. 
But there comes a time when you then need to have an encounter with him. That you heard Stephen share that encounter that causes you and I to repent, to turn around and have this explosive and amazing experience with God. And that is why for those sometimes that you come into what you might term a born-again experience and then you think, why haven't I changed? He just said that he stopped smoking, no foul language. He was a chain smoker, I knew. And to stop smoking just like that, you must have had this man has had that experience. Several have had that experience. I was never a smoker. I never drank. I never took drugs. So I didn't have all of that to give up. But every word that I would use was either four letters and all of that. I stopped immediately. I had other things that I had to give up that I was able to give up. I was... In, I was 19 years old, 41 years ago, when I invited Jesus into my heart in January of 1979, that I encountered the Lord. Coming out from a Catholic background, just going to church, doing anything and everything that I wanted, never ever reading the Bible, just hearing what the priest said, never said anything that a lot, of, a lot of things didn't really make sense in accordance to the Bible. Question about Mary and the ascension and why do we celebrate all this? Oh, we assume that she rose up body and soul. And just questioned several different things and came to a place where I knew, man, Jesus, you are the one. The question that was posed to me was this. Do you, have you ever invited Jesus into your heart? Have you done what Romans 9, 10 says? Believe in your heart and, and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord. I said, you know what? I've never, it's like going on a dating relationship with someone and, ex, and, and, and expecting that you're going to get married without popping the question. And so how many of us here seated here today, you can genuinely say you've had the encounter that some have shared but this encounter in Matthew 16 that Peter comes and I'll end with this Peter comes and he and Jesus asks Peter who do you say that I am and then no in fact he actually asked the other disciples who do you say that I am and they begin to rattle away Elijah they begin to rattle away others and then Jesus turns to Peter and says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says this, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And it was then that Jesus said, Peter, upon this confession, I will now build my church. Not upon Peter, but upon this confession, I will build my church. He says, you're the rock. So that confession is that is that rock and so what's what's our confession here friends there must be a major change a major transformation if we're born again and it says that we're born not into the church we're born into the kingdom so if you're born into the kingdom and Jesus taught his disciples Thy will be, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I promise you finally this. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. The word of the Lord says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in. Come on, as it is in. Yeah. Thy kingdom come on. Yeah. One more time, thy kingdom come on earth. as it is in. Yeah. Okay, so his kingdom is in heaven. His kingdom is in heaven now. What does heaven's value system is? If I say heaven, tell me, what, 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 how can you characterize heaven in terms of its value? Tell me. 
Purity, what else? Honor, what else? Love, what else? Peace, joy, what else? Sorry? Justice, what else? I'm a cat, I'm the owner of a cattle of a thousand hills. What does that imply? Wealth, prosperity. Now, the Lord says this. You are to pray this. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So you and I are the ones that need to usher this kingdom onto earth. If earth is not experiencing this, it's yours and my fault. Because we are not standing in that place where he now has said, you must be born again. This is why he says you need to be born again. Because you need to be born into the kingdom so that you can usher his kingdom down onto the earth. And in order to usher that means, so if we carry that, we carry his value system. So his value system in, in, impacts us, impregnates us. So hence you need that. If there's no change in your life after you have been baptized or born again or whatever it was, could it be, could it be that it was a seed that now needs to be birthed? Something was conceived. He invited you into this place and now you need to encounter him. Friends, you need to encounter because how do you know that you are saved? You must have a hunger for his word. You must have a hatred for sin. You must have a passion to share his love with others. Right? You must have a desire to study his word and to be part of a community. You must desire to hang out with believers. If you don't have a desire to hang out with believers, then you need to question your, 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 your state of transformation. Not that you don't mingle with the unbelievers or the unchurched. God forbid, you, you and I must. But if your passion is to hang out with just them and not believers, then come into this place and say, God, you and I, we don't get saved five, six times. You're saved once. You're saved once, right? But has that encounter been something that has been prolific, powerful, transformative? That's what it is. That's what being born again is. Like Nicodemus, let's come to him. Amen. 